This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 74. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast 2017. Oh my gosh, people, you really loved my conversation with Ross Green last week. Holy cow, the downloads were through the roof all week long, so... Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for letting me know how stoked you were to listen to him be in conversation with me. I was clearly super stoked as well. He is doing really amazing work. So this week, this week, this is a new week. I have to tell you, before I tell you about the show coming up, um, I got a new chair (laughs) for my office, which might not be that exciting to you, except for that it's really exciting to me. I was in a chair that was falling apart and had a hole basically in it, and I sat on a pillow, and it was super uncomfortable, but I was in denial, and I went and I bought myself a new chair, and I brought it home in a box, and I couldn't bring myself to ask my husband to put it together, so I put it together all by myself. (gasps) Oh my gosh, I'm sitting in it right now. It is so fabulous. So if you're sitting in chairs that are not comfy for your booty, I highly recommend getting a new chair. (laughs) All right. Yes. So another thing I want to talk about, too, is I posted something on my Instagram last night. I made a little meme, and um, I I posted it on my Instagram, and it's kind of a little side shot of my daughter, and it says, let's see, what does it say? I'll tell you. It says... Come on, Instagram. You're usually really quick to come up. There it is. The next time you feel triggered, focus on your breath, soften your face, release your jaw, drop your shoulders, and open your heart. This will create space for love, right? So I I made this little meme, and I put it on Instagram, and I thought it was really cute. And a couple of my daughter's friends, my daughter who's a week away from 14, crazy, follow me on Instagram and one of them screenshotted it and put it on their little volleyball group chat and they were all cracking up and uh, Rowan, my daughter, she said, mom, it's so funny that you use the word triggered. And I said, well, it's, 
And he said that, well, I don't know why. It's so funny. It's totally a word that parents use, you know, being triggered by our kids. And she said, mom, it's totally a word that teenagers use. Like, I'm feeling really triggered right now. And oh my gosh, we had such a great laugh at that little overlap of language. So anyway, if you saw that meme and you gave it a like and you gave it a share, thank you very much because you know the mission, 2017, impact one million kids. You may be noticing if you follow me on social media that I am actually using the hashtag impact one million kids. So anytime I see anybody sharing any of my stuff, I say thank you. And I throw that hashtag out there. If you are sharing my stuff or if you're sharing anybody's stuff, if you're sharing articles that are inspiring to you, which you should be, um, or videos or podcasts or whatever, make sure that you're tagging it with the hashtag impact one million kids because that's how it's going to happen. All right. It takes a village, people. It takes a village. Speaking of a village, I'm so excited about my guest today. Her name is Melissa Brown from the Blended Family Podcast. It's a weekly show with a really strong focus on strategies and methods to help families thrive, specifically blended families, right? Because blended families face lots of difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. And, you know, I think today we might not be um, currently in a blended family as far as our kid, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a blended family, but I was raised in a blended family. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the show. And I think that anymore, most of us are somehow tied, whether we were raised in one or raising a blended family. So um, Melissa and I are going to talk about all sorts of stuff about how to stay connected, how to remain in relationship, how to navigate the transitions um, that show up in the blended family. And I would encourage all of you to listen, even if you're not currently experiencing, you know, the blended family situation, you still have kids that perhaps spend some time with grandparents and then come home and are all wacky or spend time, you know, with other parts of the family. And there's all there's all sorts of goodness in this conversation with Melissa. I think that you're really going to enjoy her. I did. I thought she was awesome. And, um, and the, the stuff that comes up, I think is really relevant for all of us. So I'm going to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. You know, I also want to say thank you to my community for putting up with the barrage of encouragement I gave you to join the Living Joyful Courage membership program. I know that it's not for everyone. I know that you kind of want me to get on with content and quit trying to sell you things. And you were really flexible. You were really patient. Um, and you uh, really held space for me to be able to promote this new program that I have. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. I appreciate it. And you're not going to hear from me again about the membership program until um, March, which is when I will be when registration will open again for um, the, the final three quarters of the year. So no more talk about membership until then. And then I'll talk about it again. And you get to be equally as awesome and flexible. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, big love to all of you. Let's meet Melissa. Hi there, Melissa. Welcome to the podcast. 
Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Me too. Please share with the listeners about you and your journey to doing what you do. Sure. Uh, Well, I've had a blended family for almost 10 years now. And two years ago, I decided to start my podcast. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. And I noticed there really weren't any specifically for blended families. So not only did I want to fill that need for people, but it also fills a need for myself, which is helping others, something that is a passion of mine that I don't get to do with my regular full-time business, which is that we own a house cleaning company, me and my husband. So yeah, I started that not knowing how it would go, the podcast, and here I am getting the opportunity to help others through the struggles that I know so well from my own experiences. Yeah, don't you love that? I feel the same way. I laugh and say jokingly like, oh, the topics on the podcast are generally based on what's happening in my family. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, you kind of have to. Yeah, right? Who do I want to talk to about this situation or that situation? So. Super fun. And I love, I said this before the recording, I love to talk to other podcasters because I think this is such a great vehicle for sharing information. So listeners, that I know that you're out there with Blended Families. Um, your Melissa's podcast, what's it called? It's called Blended Families, right? The Blended Family Podcast. The Blended Family Podcast. So I'll make sure that there's yeah. a link in the show notes. Yay. So what do you find in your experience is the biggest challenge for Blended Families? Yeah, I get this question all the time. And gosh, there are so many. Honestly, I could talk for hours about the challenges that blended families face. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of them today. And usually I'll talk about those specific challenges. But honestly, if I really had to choose one, I would say maintaining a peaceful attitude within a blended family is a huge challenge. You know, problems will come and go, and it's something we all learn to deal with and manage, but keeping that peace within yourself can be really, really hard. So I would say that's the biggest challenge. Oh, good news. It's a challenge for all of us. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God, that internal struggle, right? Because whether you're dealing with uh, your bio child, your stepchild, the neighbor kid, man, triggers are triggers and they get under our skin and it's really challenging. I think that that's the most important work for parents really is figuring out how to navigate your own internal landscape because, yeah, man, absolutely. it's an emotional situation. It's an emotional journey. So my family of origin, um, I don't think was would technically be blended you'll have to let me know but we had a lot of half siblings so my mom and dad had two kids and then they divorced and then my mom had another daughter with my stepdad and then they divorced later on and then my dad had got married and had two kids so there's five of us I'm the oldest I'm 43 the youngest my brother Justy is 25 which is crazy okay and then my sister Jamie who's 36 is not even related to the youngest brother and sister, which is, but they're all related to my brother and I. So as far as like, whoa, who goes where and belongs to who? I mean, we all grew up belonging to each other because that was just our experience. Um, and and but our biggest challenge, the biggest challenge that I noticed as a child in that family, was around the adults getting along. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, that that sounds like a blended family to me. Everything that you just <laughs> described. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that that is one of the most common struggles that that people have. And 
it's one of the things I always tell my listeners, you know, we can't control other people. We can't control what they do. And so with adults, you know, they're, they're not going to get along. It's, it's unfortunate. I do have some listeners that have a good thing going, but most of my listeners are having this issue with exes and parents. And so all we can do is control our reactions to the other people, right? Cause we're not going to stop what they're doing. Right. And some of my families have exes that are just not satisfied unless they're causing drama. And really as much as we want it to stop, they're not going to stop until they're ready to. And sometimes that's never. And the worst part of all that is the children suffer the most. So many adults are using the children to get at their ex or using the children as the communicators because Mm. they can't even hold a normal conversation with one another. So absolutely this, this is a huge, huge challenge. Um, you know, and I would tell people you've got to just focus on the kids. You know, you're not going to get along. Just think of what you're doing to these children. You've got to maintain some kind of level of peace and learn how to co-parent without getting these kids involved because you're going to do damage that's going to affect them for the rest of their life. Do you find in your experience and in your work that, um, that your clients feel, I mean, I like so I'm thinking about relationship, right? And it takes two people to be in relationship. And yes, sometimes one side can be really over the top. Do you find people are willing to kind of take a, a big look at, you know, the whole the whole picture look and own their own stuff for the sake of the kids to make peace with their Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories and laughs. You all know Alana, our 
co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories, Math, with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Other Well, yeah. People? And here's the thing. A lot of my listeners do because yeah. see that my podcast, if you've listened, um, I focus a lot about love and patience and mm-hmm. things like that. I'm not a very like ex bashing. We, we don't do that. So the people that listen to my show are all for trying to create that good environment right. for the kids. But it's the exes that they're coming to me saying, you know, my ex did this and his ex did that. And what do we do about it? And unfortunately, I don't have the magic button for that. I can't yeah. make that X stop doing it. All I can tell my listener is here's what you need to do to make sure that you are calm and peaceful and that your relationships in your own home are going smoothly because you're not going to be able to do anything about what the others are doing. Yeah, that's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. We are not robots, turns out. No. We are emotional yeah. beings. And something yeah. that – because my clients say the same thing. You know, I have I have people that listen or people that work with me who are in all different kinds of – stages of relationship. And, and one thing, and I love what you're saying about peace and patience and all of this work that we're doing towards our kids can be also so useful in the relationships that we have with our exes. Absolutely. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, reminding people that that's what I try to do is remind people like, well, you have tools for problem solving with your children and it's, we call it parenting, but really it's humaning, right? It's human relationship and yeah. Well, and unfortunately, messy. the things that we're trying to teach our children, you know, you, you want to teach the adults, too, because some of the adults act yep. more immature than the children. And that's the sad thing. It is a sad thing. So. All right. Well, we can't control that. So we're going to move into something that we can have more influence over, which is um, so I'm wondering and I'm curious about this. What is so I would think that in um, that sibling conflicts would take on a special flavor in blended families with parents having to navigate, you know, their own attachment or connection to their biological kids versus their step kids. Do you find that showing up in conversations with the people that you serve? Is that something that's tricky to navigate? Yeah, absolutely. Because, well, here's the thing with sibling rivalry when you have biological siblings, you kind of expect that, right? I mean, everybody knows that siblings are going to fight. And when it's biological, we feel like, oh, this is normal. They're just, they're just not getting along, nothing to stress over. But when it comes to stepchildren not getting along, it's like a whole different world. We feel this tension come up in us and this, you know, fear of, oh no, you know, your child and my child are not getting along. So what does that say about our relationship? What is going to happen? How can we have a relationship when our children don't like each other? And so it's totally, totally different. Um, the one thing I always like to point out to people and say, you know, if the step siblings are fighting, 
you know, it's actually a good sign because it means that they're treating each other almost like normal siblings, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's nothing to get stressed out about. And the other thing is, is I always tell people, do not let this come in between your relationship because Mm -hmm. if the kids know that they can, because they're going to see it, right? They're going to come to you and they're going to do the whole tattling game. I have two of two of our, we have four all together, by the way. Um, and they're all teenagers now, but when two of the girls, when they were young, this is what they did. I mean, they had a love hate relationship and every five minutes they were coming to us and, you know, tattling on one another and we would try to get involved and it would cause a lot of tension and cause an argument. And they saw that. Mm -hmm. And so then they would do it even more. Mm -hmm. I don't know why kids just kind of, they do that. And so finally we said, look, we're not getting involved anymore, you know, because mm-hmm. most of the time we didn't even see what happened anyway. We said, we're not going to get involved. You guys figure it out. Obviously, as long as there's no, you know, hitting or, you know, physical violence, anything like that, you guys figure it out. And when they realized that we weren't going to get heated up about it, they stopped. Yeah. I mean, they stopped and now, and they learned, you know what, we're not going to go to mom and dad anymore. We're going to figure this out on our own, you know, because they didn't want us to break up. It's not like that. They just, They kind of like to get things riled up a little bit because that's what kids do. Um, So I always tell people just try to let them figure it out on their own and don't get overly stressed about it because kids, you know, and, and they're going to go through little arguments because they don't have that bond that biological siblings have. You know, they're coming mm-hmm. in, depending on when you meet, they could be older, they could be younger, it doesn't matter. But here you are saying, here's our new family and everybody should love each other. Well, you know what? They don't always love each other yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and I love, I think that's really an important takeaway for all of us is that piece around sibling conflict has so much to do with getting the parents involved. Yes. I mean, big time. And if we are teaching and modeling skills, social, emotional character development skills, then the perfect playground for practicing is within our sibling relationships. And But then we're like, no, I'm going to solve this problem for you. And I want to be like, wait, 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 stop. Stop. They aren't going to learn to problem solve if we don't give them room and space for problem solving. And and I hear yeah. what you're saying on the step versus the, you know, the biological kids and, and how that can get tricky. And um, super interesting, right, to think about the dynamic of, oh, my gosh, what does this mean about us if our kids right. can't get along? Right. Yeah. But you know, what I tell people too is one day they're all going to grow up. Mm -hmm. So even if they don't get along, even if they really despise one another, they're going to grow up one day and move out of the house and, and you've got your spouse. So it's not fair to allow those children to come between you and ruin your relationship. They're going to move on to have their own relationships. Yeah, totally. And so you have to keep that in mind too. Right. And what a gift to show them, to model to them what it looks like to nurture that relationship. Yeah. I tell the kids yeah. like, I picked daddy. You guys just came along. Yeah. <laughs> I like to say that to them. Um, so, and so sometimes it's that the kids don't get along, but what about people who are perhaps for whatever reason struggling to connect with their stepkids or a stepchild? Um, and if they're relating to that kind of dynamic, what what's a first step towards creating relationship there? Because just like you said, you know, just because the kids come together and this is our new family, everything's not going to be perfect. And I'm just wondering about when the situation is that a parent is having a hard time connecting 
with a yeah, stepchild. And, and that happens all the time because like we said, you know, those those bonds that you have with biological kids, it's just not there with your stepkids. This is something that you have to work on the relationship. It's not going to be automatic. And so um, and, and obviously, depending on the ages of the kids. Right. So you come into a blended family and the kids are younger. It's a little bit easier than coming into a situation where you have teenagers who mm-hmm. are just a little bit more set in their ways and maybe have a lot more emotions and feelings about their parents' divorce. Um, So the first thing that I would say is, I mean, if either one of you are having trouble connecting, try to get to the bottom of of why, you know, um, do you not like your stepchild because, you know, they're taking too much time away from your current relationship? Is it their attitude? You know, Um, is the stepchild having bad feelings about the step parent because, you know, it it came between their parents, they Mm -hmm. think, or God knows what the reasons are. So you want to try to figure out what is holding both of you back. Um, And then I would say don't push the relationship Mm -hmm. because pushing is definitely not going to get you closer, especially with children. You've got to give them time. You know, if the divorce is fresh, you've got to understand that they're going to need a little bit of extra time and, and not to push things, but be there for them and try to work on situations where you can create some bonding experiences, whether that's, you know, taking a little time to, um, go out together, you know, whether it's for ice cream, just the two of you, Mm -hmm. um, Open up the the lines of communication, you know, and let that child know I'm not here to replace your parent. You know, I'm here to be there for you as a bonus parent, you know, somebody that's extra for you and you come to me when you need to. Um, And as far as if you're having, you know, negative feelings about your stepchild, you know, that's really tough. We can't control the way that we feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want everyone to keep an open mind and understand that even if things don't start out smoothly, doesn't mean that you can't grow into a beautiful relationship with that child because the blended family is a choice. You know, this is not like what you said. This is, this was just given to you. This is a choice. You have to choose to love these people. They were given to you. It's, it's a gift. Yeah. Well, and it's making me think about too, I work with teachers as well. And, you know, you can't all, not that it's the same kind of relationship. Um, however, I do find myself talking to teachers who are really struggling to connect with some of their students and, Mm -hmm. um, And what I always invite them into is just looking for one place, whether it's a type of food or a genre of books or movies or an activity on the playground. Just look for one entry point for building connection and and and, you know, and, and depending on the family, you know, if the child has experienced any kind of trauma or if the divorce in and of itself, they, you know, they're great perceivers. They're really bad interpreters, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, some pent up emotion, an attachment around that, like you said, around the divorce and um, knowing that sometimes it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. And to understand as well that, you know, you're not only doing this for yourself and for the child, but also for your partner, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's obviously very important to your partner that you develop some type of relationship with their child that's, yeah. that's headed in a positive direction. Yeah. yeah. Do you, did you, so you've been in your, your blended family's been together for 10 years. Did all the kids live with you, prime with you, you and your husband primarily, or was there a lot of movement between homes? Yeah, there's, there's some movement. So back when we first met, I had custody full-time custody of my two girls Mm -hmm. and he did not. And so we had visitation with them every other weekend. And we always did it where we'd have the kids 
all together, you know, on the one weekend and then the next weekend we'd have no kids there. Um, mm-hmm. That worked out better for us, even though it was truly chaotic when we had all four of them. But <laughs> um, and then just a few years ago, my oldest daughter actually moved out of my house over to dad's mm-hmm. um, kind of a long story, but she she didn't like the rules and the structure structure in my house and she wanted to try and see what it was like on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so then we just had the one child here and then this year, uh, Sean's son moved in. So now we have his son and then my youngest daughter and then the other two girls are not currently living with us. So yeah, things kind of get shifted around a lot. Um, visitation gets shifted around, you know, with blended families, it's just a very, very kind of just crazy around the summers and we don't really follow a visitation schedule that was set by the courts even though we have that right we just kind of decide to do it the way that it works easiest for all of us and we work together that way yeah that sounds it sounds like um flexibility is a skill that is helpful (laughs) yes and not everybody has that some people are very by the book so it just depends Yeah. yeah i remember you know in our experience yeah, there was a lot of movement. And I moved in with my dad when I was in high school as well. And uh, then my brother yeah. followed suit a couple of years later. But um, and then it was a matter of, you know, then there was another sibling that had a whole different family structure. And it, anyway, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So um, so what kind so with all of that, right, with all of that movement, you're being flexible. What kinds of routines or rituals do you use in your family or do you help your clients to to, you know, is this something you guys talk about as a way of creating a sense of you're here now, this is our home, and this is how we define the space. Are there any routines or rituals that you all use? Yeah, um, we did that a lot more when the kids were younger. We tried that. Um, It is definitely difficult to stick to routines in a blended family because there is a lot of shifting going on and a lot of different rules. Um, But what we one of the uh, rituals that we used to do, I guess, back in the day was when the kids would come to us after not having been all together for a little while, uh, they would come to us and we would sit down. And our favorite game that we used to play back then was Sunshine and Cloud. I don't know if you've heard of that, but we would go around the table and we would have everybody just say what their sunshine and cloud was of the previous week. You know, what was Mm -hmm. the best thing that happened to them that week and the worst thing. And they used to like that. Um, And as far as, you know, I mean, rituals. No, I mean, what we just tried to do in our house was just kind of keep things straight across the board, uh, you know, so that they would know what to expect. We tried to we understood that the rules at our exes were completely different and that's okay. But at our house, you know, these are the rules that you follow, which aren't many. You know, Mm -hmm. we just the way that we treat one another and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do recommend for other families definitely coming up with your own things, you know, your own holiday rituals and routines Mm -hmm. that would be special to you. Um, because when you're blending, you know, you might have totally different styles of the way that you celebrate holidays and birthdays and that's okay. But when you come together, you can definitely come up with your own unique things that are unique to your blended family. Yeah. Do you notice the transition when the kids come home from spending time in the other? (sighs) Yes, that is, that is a big one. Um, and again, a lot worse when they were younger. Yeah. Uh, definitely has calmed down a lot now that they're teenagers, but um, it's always going to be the case. And again, it goes back to what the rules and expectations are. So 
when they come from that other house, they're coming from a place that most likely has just a whole different set of expectations mm -hmm. than your house. Mm -hmm. um, and no matter what you try to do, you're never going to get it the same as your ex. You're just yeah. not. And you pick and choose your battle. So we would always find that they would be a little crazy when they'd come on, like, yeah. let's say a Friday. And we knew that there was going to be either a lot of anger when they got there mm -hmm. or a lot of hyperness, excitement. Mm -hmm. And what we learned after getting frustrated for many years with the Friday night thing was that, you know what? We know what to expect on a Friday night. We know that it's going to be a little crazy and we're going to give them the space yeah. to do what they need to do and to get through it. If they, if they come and they're all in a bad mood, you know what? It's okay. We're going to give them Friday night and we're going to expect that Saturday morning, everybody kind of like wakes up with a different mood and a different mm -hmm. way. And that was how we dealt with it. I love that. So Melissa, this is something that comes up a lot when I work with parents, when they come and they say, I have this problem and it happens every day or every time, you know, X happens, Y happens. And, and right. I don't know what to do. And I, the first thing I always say is like, oh man, that's so exciting that it's a pattern. Like if you know something's going to happen, you know, at certain, during certain transitions or certain whatever, right, times of day, then th that is some really important information and what a great place to have a conversation with the kids. Like, so I notice, right, like in your situation, I notice Friday nights are right. wild. What do you need on Friday nights? What do you need, you know, and, and so speaking, you know, it's just speaking to listeners around that and they've heard me, my listeners have heard me talk about this before. Like, this is a great place to get curious and invite kids into the problem solving. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And it sounds right. like that's exactly, you know, you saw what they needed. They needed space. They needed time. They needed decompression or however, whatever the words are 
But you saw like, okay, Friday night isn't the best time to say, hey, we're going to have this really formal dinner or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and to also open up the door for conversation, you know, because with blended families, sometimes they're coming from another household that maybe they're not happy with, or maybe there's some stuff going on, you know, and sometimes they're coming with all that animosity and all that aggression or questions in their mind or whatever it might be. And they might want to talk about it and they might not, you know, but you've got to understand that this is why they might be acting different. Let them adjust. They're transitioning from one house to another. And, you know, it's expecting them sometimes to go from one extreme to the other. And we have to understand that that's, that's hard for them. Yeah. It's hard for adults. Yeah. 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 So you did a show a little while ago about setbacks that show up in the blended family. Can you speak into what you shared there? Yeah, absolutely. So setbacks are common in life, right? I mean, every time, sometimes we think things are going well and then they stop. In the blended family, it's the same way. You know, you might say, wow, we were getting along so great with the ex and all of a sudden we're having problems again. Or, you know, my stepchild and I were getting along wonderful and now I'm getting attitude, you know, every minute that I see them. And so this is what we call setbacks and it's going to happen. And so, you know, what we resist persists. So I always say you've got to accept and acknowledge that this is going to happen. Don't fight it. It's, it's not going to help, you know, understand that, you know what, it happens. It's a setback. We're going to get through it. Like we got through it before. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I tell people do not place blame on anybody because that just doesn't help solve the problem. Right. I mean, it, it is what it is. This is a setback. We know what's happening. And then I tell people to find your strength in this. You can do this. You can get through it. Do what you need to do to work on yourself. Um, And don't, you know, don't give yourself a hard time. Like, you know, people get down in the dumps over these things, but it's, it's going, I mean, I had this with my own daughter, you know, with, I had a daughter that was going down the wrong path, you know, the one that moved out and she kept having setbacks too, you know, and I had to be strong through it because parenting is really hard. And then, so the next thing I tell people is give it time, you know, don't expect that this setback is going to just resolve itself in 24 hours. You know what? This is raising children is like the biggest roller coaster ride of your life, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where you've you've got to kind of like roll with it because if you don't, you're just going to drive yourself insane. Understand that it takes time and then the most thing that I tell you with the setback is figure out what you can learn from that experience. You know, it's okay you you had a little falling back what can you learn from it to make it not happen again? How can we grow through it? Yeah. I just finished a 10-week online class that I led and um, all around being intentional and using the positive discipline tools. And around week seven, you know, there's all this excitement and all this engagement. And then around week seven, you know, there's a lot of posts in our group about like, oh, I, you know, today I failed or you know, I really screwed up today or I yelled and, you know, and just I and I think this is such a gift for you to do a whole show on this because those setbacks, it's just a part of the ebb and the flow of life. Right. Like yes. Expect it. And any moment is an opportunity to reset as well and recommit and decide like, OK, well, 
wow, that went sideways and I can own it, right? I can go to my child and say, wow, that was not the best parenting moment for me. And here's what I'm going to do differently. I love that you highlight not blaming. Um, We have a little mantra in positive discipline that's simply we look for solutions, not blame. Yeah. And the other part of that is because most of us, you know, it's not even about blaming others. We blame ourselves. Yeah. We are, we are our Big worst time. critics and we beat ourselves up. And what, how does that serve us? It doesn't at all. Right. It doesn't at all, yeah. at all. It doesn't yeah. move us forward. It just keeps us stuck. So love that you, that your final tip is that, um, finding what you can learn from the experience. Cause it's mistakes are always opportunities to learn both for our kids and for us. So how do you yeah. coach parents you work with around that looking for solutions versus blame piece? Do you think, is it difficult? What And just in your experience, do you find it difficult for parents to let go of that blame piece? A hundred percent, you know, um, and, and with the families that I work with, it's, it, there's a lot of blaming on exes, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what people get stuck on the most. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always tell people it, it's not about who's right or wrong. Do you want to be happy? Yeah. Do you want to fix it? Because we can sit and point fingers all day long, but that's not going to move us forward. And so absolutely. I work with people on, you know, letting go of the past and the hurt and the blame. And let's figure out what we can do today to make us happy because we can't do anything about the past and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, I just did a show on living in the present moment and that this is what I talked about. It's like, we can only control what we do today and what can we do today to fix, you know, how we feel and to move these relationships forward in the right direction. Awesome. I'm thinking that we see out of this a very similar lens, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. And I and what you just said about relationship. I talk loads about relationship. In fact, my favorite thing to say is that the most powerful tool we have for influencing behavior is the relationship that we're in with our kids. And I'm hearing oh, yeah. yeah, I'm hearing that the same it you know, of course it rings true as well. It doesn't matter if it's a blended family what do you call what's I don't want to say a regular family because you're a regular traditional family. traditional okay that's traditional. a good yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect thank you traditional family single parent households like it's all comes back down to this relationship piece and yeah I, just, I yeah. love that I love that um so I have one last question for you and it's the one that I always end with which is what does joyful courage mean to you and I love this question because to me it takes a lot of courage to blend a family. Mm-hmm. It's not always an easy journey. So joyful courage to me means understanding the importance of finding joy even through the pain in life because our biggest growth and our biggest lessons always come from difficult times. Mm, love it. I love it. I love it. My guests always love that question and they always come at it from the lens of whatever their work is. So I love that you brought yeah. in that courage to blend a family for sure. Where can listeners find you and follow your work? Yeah, so I'm on iTunes and any other platform that you find podcasts on. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. And the easiest way to get all of my information in one place is to visit my website, which is blendedfamilypodcast.com. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. So good. I love, love, love. There are so many amazing people to be in conversation with around 
this parenting gig, I mean, seriously, and I'm so excited for the next few months because, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how awesome the people are that are coming on the podcast and that I get to be in conversation with. And somebody in the uh, Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, which if you're not a member, head over there, join. It's awesome. You'll like it. Super positive and forwarding and amazing. So you should join in the conversation there. Anyway, in that group, someone said, oh my gosh, you are interviewing all of my mentors that I only know through their books that I read. And my response was, right? I mean, all of the people that say yes to my podcast are all people that inspire me. That was the whole purpose when April, April 2015, when I started podcasting, it was because I was finding myself in these networking communities with access to people that were inspiring to me. I am a parent educator. You all might may or may not know that. I am a positive discipline trainer. I'm a parent certified coach, parent coach, life coach. I've done my work. I have an education background for sure. And then there's all these other people that are, you know, people that I go to for learning and inspiration around my own parenting journey and The fact that they are saying yes to this podcast has just been such a huge gift to my life. Huge, huge, gigantic gift. And the fact that you all show up and spread the word and send me emails and send me messages and follow me on social media, by the way. Joyful Courage is on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but who's on Twitter? Are you are you are you all on Twitter? I don't know if you're on Twitter or not, but I am. I'm not very active there. I'm kind of halfway on Twitter. Anyway, yeah, I'm in those places, so follow me. And uh, and interact. Don't just follow, but really interact because that is what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know, I love the term it takes a village to raise a child. I recently created a little post that said it takes a village to nurture a parent. So often we feel isolated in our challenges and in our situations. And my vision for this podcast is really to bust through those imagined walls that we have between each other. Because the challenges that are showing up here at my house are also showing up at my neighbor's house. On one side, I have a family with five kids. On the other side, there's a family with three kids. I know that we're all facing the same kind of challenges in all of our homes. And they know it too because sometimes the windows are open. (laughs) One time I had to get a little feisty with my daughter and I went outside and my neighbor was in her driveway and I said, oh yeah, did you like that? Did you hear me just yelling at Rowan? And she started laughing and she said, you know what? That made me feel so good. (laughs) We are all in the work, my friends. We're all in the work. And this is a community of support and love and compassion and forgiveness. So join in the conversation. Join in the celebration of the messiness of the work. I will be back this Thursday with an Ask Casey bonus episode. Those go out to subscribers. They don't 
sometimes I post them on social media, but they don't get posted on my website. They just go out to iTunes subscribers. So if you are not already um, subscribing to the podcast through iTunes, you should, because it makes it so easy to get every new show. And the way you do that is, depending on what kind of phone you have, you get a podcast app. And if you have a newer iPhone, there already is an i a, a, a podcast app on your phone that you probably don't even know what it is. <laughs> so you go into the app and you search for Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast and I'll come up. And then there's usually a button that says subscribe. You hit subscribe and every time a new show of mine goes live, you get it. It comes automatically onto your phone. You can decide whether or not you want to download it or just stream it. It doesn't take up any space. So woohoo! get on iTunes. Subscribe, friends. Subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to write a really lovely review and let me and the world know what it is that you love about this podcast. Why do you tune in every week? What do you love? I love hearing about that because I want to give you more of what you love. <laughs> All right. Speaking of love, I'm really working out these new sounds on my new garage band on my new computer. So I'm hoping that you can bear with me as I play with some new Intro and outro music and all that good stuff. Uh, big, huge love to each one of you signing out, signing off from the Pacific Northwest. Have a beautiful, beautiful day, my friends. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.